0: De-, De-, De, Colores Radio. De-, De-, De Colores Radio.
1: Hi, hello, bienvenidos. Welcome to The Colores Radio. This is episode 81. Hope everyone is doing amazing. I don't know if amazing exists in a quarantine life, but maybe today is a special day (laughs) and you're getting extra joy and we can only hope you've been able to find some peace in the madness. So as always, thank you all so much for listening. You can be anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. I'm your host, Eva Arreguin, and this is De Colores Radio. Uh, The last few episodes in our new show format have been very exciting. Um, Last time we had some Dallas staples with us, Drew Blackburn, Romy Ray, and Coach Tev. Uh, These people are out here making the city look good, to be very frank. Um, And it was a little bit chaotic, but definitely a good time. Uh, We could not stop talking. But if you haven't already, please check them out and make sure to show them love. Um, special thanks to them, of course, for joining our show and spending some time with us, um, and a message to you all as we continue. Remember, if you want to see the full, raw, unedited video version, you can subscribe and get exclusive bonus content at patreon.com slash this also helps us to become a sustainable platform, which is, of course, the goal. Uh, my computer is now ancient. It is 10 years in Mac, Apple book years. I said that backwards, which is a long time for Apple products. So you can imagine she's getting tired. So if you want to help support your favorite um, queer, Latinx, Black Uh, POC-focused podcast, subscribe to our Patreon or donate to us at DeColoresRadio.com. With that said, it's been an exciting, busy time in the world. Uh, We just came back from some adventures, so can I bring my partner in crime here, um, the one and only Pat Pat, hello. Hi, hello. We (laughs) We just came back from traveling through Texas. Um and really soon our Tahin mommy is moving to New Mexico. Um and probably by the time you all hear this, they're already there. Um, yeah. so the major life changes continue. Pat, how are we doing?
2: Um, I'm I'm doing good. Not trying to stress myself out too much, try to enjoy the moments I have with my people while I'm here and be present with everyone. So it's been really nice to be able to spend time with you and everybody else i'm not gonna cry
1: this is well Your lip quivered and then my lip quivered (laughs) and i'm just trying to pretend that
2: i'm not gonna
1: cry i maybe i won't cry like maybe i'll shock the world and the pisces tears will just like remain in my skull just
2: me the capricorn will be just the
1: capricorn will cry uh a change of a change of uh identities there yeah Um, but anyway i'm doing good how are you wow Uh, it's so nice to be asked that
2: how, how are you feeling post our Texas, Texas, South Texas
1: tour? Um, I, I feel good. I think I'm exhausted still. And I don't want to go back to uh, work and emailing and doing things, but I'm also grateful that I even had the opportunity to do that. And I'm glad that like, I intentionally chose to be more spontaneous this year, especially after everything with COVID last year, I was like, well, and even this year, right. Of like, I'm going to take more road trips and travel more through Texas and like find joy in this state that often is very harmful to us in a lot of ways, but has a a lot of beauty. So it was really dope to have like one, a family trip and then two, to have, you know, you by my side to say like, let's go to these other cities. Let's visit McAllen. Let's visit San Antonio. Like let's visit these other areas that are really uh, full of life here in Texas um, and so obviously we also visited Corpus Christi. And so shout out, I'm wearing my Selena hat today. Um, we finally got to go there and visit even her graveside, which has meant uh, meant a lot to um, me and our family. And so it was just really nice and kind of surreal. I even got to meet one prison bay that we mentioned on the show here before. Um, so maybe if not this episode, if y'all want to hear more next episode, or maybe we'll get into it later, um, we can share more about how that went or maybe we'll make it a Patreon exclusive so uh, tweet us or comment at us if you're listening and let us know how you want to hear about those things but it definitely was an adventure and I'm glad I got to experience that with you before
2: you Same. leave our great,
1: our great state of Tejas it was a lot of fun well good alright then we're not going to get sad um, but that means it's time for everyone's favorite do doo, doo, doo me
2: mood um so like i said i'm not trying to uh let my feelings come out or process those yet so that way when i move i can cry by myself
1: <laughs> you don't have to do that you can no, i'm just kidding
2: i'm sure i'm gonna be crying probably when i see our friends later today and um saying having the cookout with our fam and all that stuff i'm sure i'll get emotional um no but uh with that I'm going to say that my me move right now, I know that um, Aventura and Bad Bunny released a song together and it's, it's not really like great to me. I'm not really crazy about it, but Halloween is right around the corner and that's why I'm going to share oh a <laughs> video clip God. for Halloween. Um, because. What does like, that
1: have to do with the Bad Bunny Aventura thing? you are gonna see why okay i was like i'm slightly confused this feels like it's going many directions it, it might be
2: it might be but i'm gonna share the clip can you see it yes okay so the tweet says when you realize the spooky season it's just around the corner
1: <laughs> what the hell is this <laughs>
2: So, um, yeah. so yeah, that's my meme mood at the moment because it's Halloween time. I'm uh, obviously the world is still on fire and getting worse by the minute. So Halloween's got me in high spirits because it's my favorite holiday. I don't know what I'm dressing up as, but that's that's my thing. That's what I'm doing. That's bachata. That's why I said b- bad bunny and aventura. Okay,
1: I was so like, that's how it
2: came to a going? full circle moment because of the bachata. But yeah, so that's my me mood.
1: So glad we're emotional. Will you show my me mood, please? Because I just thought it was hilarious. Uh, A lot of people's favorite uh, Canadian rapper posted a selfie. And he was... (laughs) dress it honestly looked like a teenager like straight up it looked like a teenager wearing a big hoodie that their boyfriend just gave them and they were living so he's an e-girl now and so now they've like continued to photoshop this image that he quickly deleted because apparently no one on his team is looking out for him or he's also just like i think his self-awareness is very low which is fine but it made for great memes so i feel like this drake e-girl in a bedroom <laughs> that's taking this selfie in the mirror with the little jacket um i don't have many thoughts just vibes that's how I'm feeling, <laughs> and i feel that too yeah so those are our me moods for today uh which means i can share with you that we have another very exciting show in store for you today uh one of the best we've ever recorded in my opinion um I'm very excited to have our guest, Ariana Brown, with us today, Um, and I'm always thrilled to spend any time, both on the pod and in life, um, with our guest host for today, which you've seen in our new format. We're bringing in um, some homies to kind of help us run through our um, segments, our our juice segment. Uh, So today, I'm very grateful to be bringing someone on you've met before Someone near and dear to me, incredible visual artist, and my best friend and soulmate, Ari Brielle. Welcome to The Colores Radio.
3: Hello. Thank you for having me.
1: Welcome back, I should say. Yes, It's
3: good to be back.
1: You've been on a few times. This is like, yeah.
2: Ari's like third or fourth time on the show. So they're, they're regular at this point.
1: Who's counting? Who's counting? First time this year. Right. Your opinion might be biased, but I like to believe that we're very honest with each other as friends. Uh, uh, what do you think of the new show format?
3: I love the new show format because I so because I have been on the show before, I've been in the space with y'all when you're recording. And it's always mm-hmm. so fun and such a silly time. So it's cool that people can actually see that. Right. Um, so I love it. And I love being able to have uh, other voices during the juice segment. Ooh. um i think it's a cool way to be able to uh get more people on the pod so
1: I love i'm it. into it man. so you've actually yeah. watched the visuals on patreon.com slash
3: oh yeah i'm a patron honey <laughs> 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 yeah we
1: didn't we didn't make her say this okay i'm putting her
3: no on no no no
1: so this is the juice where we discuss the latest gossip on pop culture politics news and more uh ari darling do you have a me mood for us to tell us how you are doing right now
3: you know i do and it might be a little dramatic but pat do you have it yeah i'm pulling it up okay cool so um (laughs) i don't know about y'all but i've been having a very busy summer and Uh i'm getting ready for um, a couple of exhibitions coming up this fall. I've been working at my regular job, uh-huh. um, and it's getting a little stressful. So my mean mood is this cute little chihuahua puppy screaming into what looks like a pillow. Because um, yeah, I feel like that on the daily. So yeah, it looks very
1: stressed out. It makes me worried about you more than I probably <laughs> I am. That's why when I saw it, I was like, um, "Ari, are you okay?" <laughs> Because the dog ear is flipped out. Like, the ear's not even going the right direction. It looks like our Girl. unofficial mascot, Campanita. That's true. But, but she's stressed. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
3: She's yeah, I feel that.
1: Stressed. Well, thank you for sharing <laughs> your meme mood with us. Um, that also leads me to ask what you've been up to. How's it going? You're obviously very busy, which is a good thing, I think, for an artist, right?
3: It is good. I think... Um... It can feel overwhelming, but not necessarily in a bad way. So I've been, um, I am entering my second year of my MFA at the uh, UTA. So Mavs. I've been in the studio this summer. <laughs> <For me.
1: laughs> I, don't think, I don't take college sports that seriously, but I said go Mavs.
3: Oh, I, like <laughs> I, I also don't take them seriously. So I didn't even connect that because I was like Mavs. But yes, yeah, we are no, the
1: Mavs.
3: Oh, yeah. Girl, I'd be in the <laughs> art department. I don't even pay attention to all that. But, um, yeah, so I've been in the studio uh, getting ready, like I said, for a couple of exhibitions that are coming up, one in September and then one in December. Um, so, yeah, a lot of making work and thinking and writing and all that kind of stuff.
1: And are these exhibitions that you just like were reached out or was it like stuff that you applied to?
3: Um, yeah, they're both things that I applied to. So, one is the Texas Biennial, which will be um, in San Antonio this year. It's kind of spread across about five different museums down there. So, that's the most recent one, or the most the nearest one. And then one will be at the DMA at the Dallas Museum of Art, and that'll be oh, okay. in December. Just these
1: little things, no biggie.
3: With- <laughs> <laughs>
1: You better talk your shit Ari these are huge things and we're very excited and proud of you and Thank I you. think the, I want to say maybe the last time you were on if I'm not mistaken might have been before your solo exhibition at the cultural center so it's really amazing almost to consider uh you know maybe three years later now that you're doing different exhibitions at major uh Texas museums so congratulations friend. Um, Thank you. We're always excited to to see your work evolve as well, which maybe we if we have enough time, we'll chat a little more about how your work is also evolving, which is exciting. Um, But thank you for being with us. And now we can jump into some of the juice, messy topics. Um, We're going to try to keep it down to a few so we don't um, go too long. But uh, obviously, the first thing that comes to mind That is, I think, nearly impossible to not discuss, at least in every, no matter who I'm talking to, whether it was in South Texas or up here or on the phone or in an email, is COVID, right? And now we have these Delta variants and they're starting to sound a lot like different sorority and fraternities because they're like Delta, Sigma, Lambda, squared, and uh, I was never a Greek life person so I'm not that into this um (laughs) but also like I'm not trying to make light of it and I'm like what the hell are we gonna do you know like capitalism is more important to the United States than human life that's what we learned last year right that's what they've shown us since the history of its existence um And to me, masking up and like going out, it doesn't even feel like it's enough when they're saying these new variants are multiplying at like three times the rate and are 10 times more infectious and they're even getting vaccinated people. And so it's just like mind boggling that so many people mistrust. I mean, it's not mind boggling that they mistrust. It's mind boggling that we don't understand that like we've always had to be vaccinated our whole life. Um, so there's a lot of different factors going into that. And at the same time, I don't even wanna blame the people, even if they are mm-hmm. making bad choices, because I still feel like that this should be a government thing and the government could have prevented this. So I kind of wish I would see less people blaming other people and more blaming major entities and corporations and governments that could have prevented this all from happening in the first place.
3: Yeah, I totally agree. I think um, it's definitely getting unsettling. One of my coworkers' husbands uh, is a doctor at Parkland, mm-hmm. and he worked the COVID unit all year last year. And at one point, recently, they had shut the COVID unit down because people were getting vaccinated oh, wow. and they weren't having that many cases. But now they are... Um, seeing a lot more cases and they just had their first breakthrough case be I think the term is incubated so where they have oh. to have a tube and able to breathe um I feel like that's so happening yeah in a lot of places it is and uh yeah it's just scary and again since that person that doctor is you know sort of close to me just through my coworker, I I hear a lot of things and it's just it's not looking good so um it's
1: not at all and I think that's where yeah. I'm like it took us i mean covid wiped so much away right like it took away so much already even if i think of just the podcast i'm like we were gone for almost a year and a half right like it just it was just that tumultuous that it 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 took a, away a lot from us and life and in um just humanity in general and so it it does break my heart that one we don't feel comfortable and a lot of people not we i am very much vaccinated and i'm very much pro-vaccine but that so many people feel so it's almost like adamantly stubborn to not get it right because at this point it's like okay if you don't get it then you can die right like you are okay with death then um is that what you want or do you just enjoy the pride of not getting the vaccine right and at the same time i'm like i don't want to shame these people Uh, when I do believe there are other means of these governments and entities um, to make people trust these things more and to understand, right? This misinformation runs amok. um, And then that's just how the world keeps going. And because we don't want to lock down again, especially in the state like Texas, um, which I don't, uh, every single time we've recorded, it's like Greg Abbott has a new dumbass thing he's saying or doing. And like now he's into blaming COVID on migrants, (laughs) which is like, obviously going to target a lot of south texas and so it's just like the, thankfully federal government did something to block that but it's just like the way that these monsters feed their people is really astounding because it works right like you get presidents out of it um which is why i think greg abbott is just going for it and having fun with it and we're just we're, we're paying for the cost and now i don't know that we'll go on lockdown again but i think places like texas will certainly lose a lot more people
3: yeah I mean I think we need to in a way um but yeah it's not gonna happen It's not gonna <laughs> so happen
1: he's literally banning people from yeah. requiring masks he's literally yeah he's signed into law th- like things to keep these businesses open like just mm-hmm. to make himself think he's doing good for the economy like it's just so much bullshit and in a place like Texas we have someone actively fighting against protecting our life which is why I'm like go be free pat run to new mexico like these these states do not love us they never have and i don't know if they ever will um and so i'm all for people that are like finding and maintaining their sanity in whatever way possible even though like we love and want nothing but the best for the people and the state of texas but enough of that is very depressing be safe out there wear your mask if you haven't gotten vaccinated please get vaccinated if you need information on where to get vaccinated Uh, if you need a ride to get a vaccine like I will dead ass take you at this point like mostly if you're in Dallas Fort Worth area (laughs) but like I'm that serious and if you want to have someone to talk to or you're if you're fearful or if you want me to hold your hand like I'm there like that's how I feel it's not that simple though and I get that so it's just like it's so much more than that I really think we need another stimmy for people who've been vaccinated but what do I know so anyways, enough of that um, extra depressing news that we are currently living and haven't stopped living for the past almost two years. Um, the Olympics. I am not that into the Olympics, Ari. How do you feel about them?
3: Um, I'm not either. I'm sorry. Like, I do not keep up. I, I don't think I've kept up. I know they happen every four years. But I think the last time I tuned in was in 2012, Michael Phelps era. I don't know.
1: And I was like, yeah, I don't
2: pay attention.
1: I was never oh, that into yeah. them. I remember in fifth grade, my teacher made us watch for extra credit. Um, so I was very into them. In, like, well, there you oh, go. <laughs> whatever year that was, maybe it was 04. Um, but like, I was excited to see Sha'Carri and then all that shit right. fun- like, happened how it happened, um, which is very exhausting. And I, th- I bring that up because I want to mention it with whatever we talk about next as well. Um, is that like, you see this black woman get praised and then quickly punished. Um, and then you see someone like Megan Rapinoe, is that her name, Pat? Like be bragging about. Oh, how Megan Rapinoe women. and
2: Sue Bird both had a freaking CBD thing that they were promoting that says. It was enhan- at the Olympics. Yeah, at the Olympics to say it was enhancing their, their work ethic. Um in the olympics so i did a quick unfollow for both of them um because i was really pissed which is
1: why to me because i don't know i'm obviously not a big so fan i just of stopped feminine. following the
2: u.s women's national team
1: um for the olympics and all that because i was bullshit. Ooh, Pat's pet pet is real mad but to me i'm like i i'm very weary of white feminists and that to me is just like bullshit allyship right because these people they're both known for being outspoken right and being woke and this and that and i'm like are you really though when like you see this person uh you know this young girl young woman go from like an extreme high to such an extreme low and then you go to this other level um I will say I did enjoy watching the Olympics I mean the skateboarding at the Olympics that was exciting to me um just to see like that culture evolve into this um but also I feel like the USA has been doing really bad and it's what we deserve um (laughs) so period. <laughs> yeah, i'm like i don't have that much to say about the olympics but i know they're kind of the talk of the town and that's what everybody's watching right now so i just wanted to mention them uh, because i don't know it's it's super interesting and it's funny because everybody's nationalism pops out um at least for a lot of like latinx folks i know it's like very anti-usa <laughs> uh, it's like pro whichever country you know your origins are from with reason um, and also, I'm like, the Olympics are very harmful to every city they go to, which is also terrifying. So, yeah, because
2: Japan, people don't even have access to the vaccine.
1: Yeah, no, that is uh, very terrifying. But it's also like, I don't know. I think it's with like any of these things, right? Where it's like sports can be a really beautiful community building thing. But I'm like, and also, even the Super Bowl is like that, right? Whenever the Super Bowl goes anywhere, it's like the highest sex trafficking city in the world when that happens, right? And so it's just like, ugh, at what cost mm-hmm. are sports this prominent? I don't know. Um but you know, go go sports team or whatever. It is entertaining, I get it. Competition is fun. Hey, G- Giannis winning was kind of cute a few weeks ago. That was exciting. I was a big fan of seeing uh Giannis uh take the NBA championship. Um, that was that was very sweet I was very happy to see him with his chicken nuggets like that really (laughs) did something for my spirit but um anyways Ari's like sports let's keep it moving
3: (laughs) no it's just it's interesting just because while y'all while you were talking I was just thinking about the things that I used to engage in or pay attention to that I don't anymore so like the Oscars, the Grammys. I mean, we watched the Grammys this year, which was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, we watched it with our friends. So I like so I liked that. Um, but yeah, like those kinds of like I guess those things that we yeah, that we are just entertained by and they're fun and all these things, but like as you get older you learn the deeper implications of them. I'm not saying that's why I don't watch them anymore. Like I will I, I'll watch it, you know what I mean, but um yeah, it just made me think of things that I have I guess invested from or that i've kind of stopped
1: right but i think the the beauty of like even watching these award shows are all because all these things i used to be deeply invested to right and now it's like but it's so it's okay to watch things and enjoy them and also have a critical lens right
3: and we should yeah
1: i think people Mm -hmm. might perceive a lot of my energy as like not hater but just like harsh or like angry i don't know i'm assuming right woke yes too woke too pc and i'm like no it's literally okay to critique shit y'all like how do you think improvements happen in society so i i'm sure i've said that on this show a million times but it, it's the same thing with the olympics right um and then we see the repercussions of kind of this like quote-unquote woke culture in situations like what we've seen with the baby recently right i kind of like i got excited about him when he first started I thought he had a fun little energy, a fun little sound. And he was on a lot of Meg The Sallion's music, right? And so he was very exciting. Um, and then recently, so throughout last year, I think it happened around this time last year, if I'm not mistaken, um, that we learned that another musician that Meg The Sallion was hanging out with, um, Tori Lanes, who, never mind, let me stop. I don't wanna to be too problematic. Ooh, I'm about to say something about him being 5'3", but I'm going to hold it inside. Who um, <laughs> says it? We find out. <laughs> it was going to be meaner than that. I just stated his height. We find out that he apparently shot Meg, right? In her uh, ankles or the whatever the back part of your heel is. I can't think of the word. Um, and we find this out and it's like kind of traumatic, but we're not hearing too much about it but she kind of just goes she's kind of like going on instagram live and saying like this thing happened she doesn't she stops being friends with him and everybody who was involved that night and then you kind of see that like not a lot of people are being outspoken on this like other entertainer being violent towards a a woman in hip-hop right um, and so that was really tragic to see. And, and so then she became even more outspoken on Saturday Night Live and on these different things. Um, but someone like DaBaby, who was very much like her brother in the music, I would say, uh, was kind of still like doing music with her. Like she dropped an album after that. He was on a couple songs still. Um, which I know I agreed with the tweets that were like free yourself from him sis like you can find other features Um, because they were getting old in my opinion and I feel like she was what was keeping him relevant Um, but you know they were still friends or whatever and then I believe she kind of called him out a few weeks ago for not supporting for like she felt like he was going behind her back um, and still talking to Tori as well because they made he had a music a, he tweeted a song. Yeah. So yeah. they made like a song together and then he first was like, oh, that's old. And then he like, she was like, oh, okay, no, nah, I see who you are. And so then he got salty and he was like, whatever you're tripping, which that to me is triggering. Cause a lot of men of color, as soon as you say something out of line to them or where you're trying to hold them accountable, they blow up in your face, uh, which is very, very familiar um so to see him turn on her so quickly was really heartbreaking and so what happened at was it Pat? it was at mm-hmm. Lollapalooza. he brings out tori lane oh no 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 it was rolling la- rolling rolling, 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 rolling loud because loud they canceled him at lala they canceled him at lala you're right so he brings him out in a costume which is dumb like i'm like nobody likes him first of all like who listens to his music I don't know. I guess people still do. I don't know anybody that does. And he brings about out in like a mascot outfit, which I'm like, Were you trying to be funny and cute? Cause it's not. Y'all are both under five five in my head. So, like, there's <laughs> really nothing here to be gained from you all. Um, and your music, <laughs> neither of y'all's music is strong enough to be going this heavy against someone who is literally to me ruling the hip hop world right now. I think and um, I want
2: to even say even the in like music festivals, his name was above hers in like some lineup. Yes, but that I was like mean- that to me is the
1: misogyny of it all right because men were still getting uplifted more than she was um so then what ends up happening for one i i saw him bring tori out and i thought that was beyond disrespectful right i was like fuck that man i saw that after he did
3: her songs
1: right but oh he did it after he did her songs oh that's Mm -hmm. even more spiteful So then that, to me, I saw that clip and I was like, that is sick, right? Like, if this is, you were supposed to be ride or die for this girl, and this is how you're treating someone, you're bringing out their, like, abuser, because Tori continued to harass her and gaslight her. So then I was like, F the baby. Then flash forward the next morning, this other clip goes viral, where he's saying some of the most, like, homophobic, transphobic, shit ever super super ignorant bullshit right I don't even care to state it because it's just not important and none of it is true right he's just being a hater ass dude um and to me it really like I'm not trying to say this is the case but it did feel like someone who was closeted that really hates themselves like saying something to themselves um and so I was just like wow and so it's been really interesting because now we've seen the spiral effect of multiple corporations dropping him, music festivals dropping him, open letters from other artists denying to work with him again. And we've never seen it spiral out like that so fast. And so I just think this situation is really kind of astounding to see. And also just there's so many layers because... He could be violent to a black woman, but him saying homophobic shit was too far. And that to me is a problem because I don't know. Like, it's just like the misogyny. Yeah, it's like the misogynoir jumps the fuck out because this woman was still, um, still to me, is like in danger. Like, if you're bringing this man who harmed me around, you're violent, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's harmful. Um, so to see that happening is just really interesting and so a lot of people have a lot of feelings and thoughts about it and it's kind of become a meme now um, where they're like the baby was dropped from the Shin Yun you know (laughs) performance blah 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 which is kind of funny but I'm also like wow it's also that extreme and then on the contrary which I want to hear y'all's thoughts on this as well is someone like fucking Matt Damon is able to say the f-word and openly write a letter about how his daughter made him stop saying it in 2021 and he's getting like a pat on the back because he's promoting a new movie um so i'm like both yeah he tried to say it was for the
2: new film that he talked like that or said the word and i was just like what the fuck like that's
1: no i don't know it just to me it's like okay so then this is where it's like you still have these racial power dynamics, but at the same time, it's like your own team is being the most harmful to me, to, to you, which is also tragic. So Ari, what are your thoughts? I know I just said a lot, but I wanted to cover the full base.
3: Yeah, no. Um, I mean, I think what it comes down to is something you mentioned briefly is massage noir. Um, so yes, Megan can literally be shot um, by, by, <laughs> a man and nothing be done no uproar be you know had people making fun of her actually making light of the situation blaming her victim you know putting the blame on to the victim Mm -hmm. um and then a year later her homie can like throw out some slurs and and i'm not i'm not at all condoning what he said i'm not you know making excuses for what he said it's just like you said it's very interesting that like that is what caused an uproar and that is yeah. what really pissed people off and that's what got him to lose deals and all this shit um, whereas tori is still performing and doing shows and all this all this right. stuff so i think it just it just comes down to the fact that we as black women are not protected in society um right. our pain is not taken as serious um it's always well, what did she do to deserve it? Well, that's why, you know, she what's shouldn't third, be talking about freaking and throw on her ass. like story? Exactly. Um, it can never just be this person harmed me and so now something should be done for it. It has to always circle around the fact that you deserve it. You're a Black woman and that's what you get for being a Black woman and existing. Mm-hmm. And I know that can sound harsh to some people, but like I live in this body every day and that's literally my experience and experiences of people who look like me. Um, I was listening to the Cut podcast this morning and Ziva Blay was on and she's the person who coined the term noir" back in oh, like wow. 2010, 20... I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was talking about how she, even before COVID, would go months without leaving her home because she felt so uncomfortable mm-hmm. and she felt so vulnerable in public. And she was talking about, you know, that video of the Black dudes who threw that Black woman into the trash can and they were wearing Black Lives Matter shirts yeah, and just the irony really, of that. That and,
1: was a really violent video that circulated. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, she brought up Megan. She brought up just all these different instances, even uh, the host, which I forget her name now, but she is Black woman too and was talking about how she counted all of the Black women in media who are being targeted right now, including Meg, including um you know Simone Biles athletes mm-hmm. musicians writers herself like right. and it always comes down to their blackness and their womanness. Mm-hmm. and so I think it's the same thing with the Megan Thee Stallion situation and Tori and um the baby is just that like y'all hate black women like just say it yeah. <laughs> like
1: you know right. what I mean like whether you realize uh, it or it not shows. and don't you yeah say, like, exactly from one like None of that means anything if your actions prove otherwise.
3: Exactly. And, and and I didn't even know this story, but they brought up how I mean, everybody knows the tit drill video by Nelly and when he swipes the girl's credit, the girl's ass yeah, with his credit card. And so Ziba, again, that writer who coined the term misogynoir was saying how she was at Spelman at the time and he was scheduled to come do like a blood drive for his sister who was dying of cancer. And
2: Wait,
1: her and her like he? Nelly. oh
3: Nelly, Nelly.
1: oh you okay I was like for real Nelly okay.
3: <laughs> yeah so this was like back in the day back in in that time mm-hmm. and she was in this like womanist feminist group on campus and they were like let's protest he shouldn't be coming here oh, so they protested God. and he ended up canceling the drive instead of like approaching these people and saying you know what that was wrong or I can learn from this or da da da. He canceled the blood drive for his sister. <laughs> like, he would rather do that than, like, be accountable. And so that's, those are the levels that we're talking about here. Where, like, you are trying to protect your sister, my blood, you know, whatever, um, and get her the help she needs.
1: Or is it just to make you look good?
3: I mean, that's what it comes down to, right? Right, because that's the thing, so. right?
1: Because what they ended up doing was they replaced... Him with Young Thug, which I know some people think Young Thug was a very big moment because he was a gender bender. Okay, but he he always called out. Yeah, he's been mad homophobic as well, right? And so that's where I'm like, transphobic too. Right. And so that's where I'm like, at what level, again, are we like pushing these hip hop artists to check themselves, right? Because we don't want to have to call Mm -hmm. you out, baby. Really? We love hip hop my ass be saying shit that hurts my feelings regularly on these on these tracks right um that is uh, i am human too right i am not i am not at the maya angelou level i am very much still actively listening to this violent shit and i love it right i eat it up and that's where i'm like very curious what will happen from this right like where does this go next? Because the baby's not the only one out here being this ridiculous, right? And so, like, obviously we know Boosie and all these other mofos are, like, wild. And, um, but it was nice to see, like, an OG, you know, Questlove saying, like, no, this kind of stuff is violent and we need to do more about it, right? Because it's it feels still so rare um to see this. And so it, it was heartbreaking. And I did want to pay attention to the fact that, like, this violent violence towards Meg who is a beautiful rich ass celebrity should not go unnoticed right like that is very much still a part of the problem if not a bigger problem because it is but that's what's interesting
3: yeah even those things that society deems as important beauty and wealth it doesn't matter if you're black it doesn't matter if you're a black woman and we can see that so yeah, yeah it's it's sad I just you know I hope, and a firm support for her. And I hope that she's, like, behind the scenes taking care of herself, because...
1: Amen. I she's don't know nice.
3: how I would handle seeing that. Oh, honestly. my
1: God. And that's the thing that I'm like, you know she was probably being too nice for a long time, and there's so much more we don't know, right?
3: I mean, she um, protected Tori for a minute. She wouldn't even say who well, did it, you know what they I mean? Like,
1: yeah. yeah, she did. So, yeah. They, uh, black women got Black men's back, but does it go the other way around? I don't know. Uh Let me keep it moving. Um, But I will say that makes me, and I will bring this up before I move to our final juice topic. Um, We had a really beautiful, powerful conversation with our guests that we recorded that uh, a little bit, a few weeks prior. Um, So shout out to Ariana Brown, which you'll hear from here shortly. Um, But it was a very interesting conversation and I wish we could have had even more time. And maybe Ari and I, if uh, again, if y'all are interested, we can unpack it more, but just like also the... Similarities and differences between Black and Brown culture, right? Between and I and I, and someone like Ariana doesn't want to use Brown culture as the phrasing, right? Um, but rather Black and Mexican culture specifically um, in a place like Texas, which it's going to vary from North Texas and South Texas. Um, so it's just very interesting because all these things. To me, the misogyny in both of these cultures overlap. Like it adds up, right? There's a reason why when Ari and I first met, we immediately connected because of how our life's traumas had played out, right? Um, And that's not to say um, one's less or greater than, et cetera. It's just like, oh, damn. Like we came from completely different walks of life, but we, we were able to connect so much because of how white supremacy has, and patriarchy have inherently created Um, the bounds of our culture in so many ways. So that's what I'll say. Ari, do you have anything more to add to that? Um,
3: I mean, just that last bit that you said just makes me think of the the reason why we have such similarities goes back to white supremacy and that everyone wants to have power over someone and so if you're a black man a brown man whatever and I mean it's it's like that James Baldwin and Nikki Giovanni talk you know where he was like she was basically saying like why do you have to bring this home to me and this oppression Mm -hmm. to me you know and trying to get him to see that is that's what a lot of men do it's like well I don't have power out in the world I'm gonna have power over you
1: sorry to talk over you this brilliant woke black black man right was still not seeing the basic misogyny right like in that like he was just like oh right and this is a wait queer Mm -hmm. black man right even more another Mm -hmm. layer um so it's like no understanding that like no we all have this shit to unpack and to work on um and to actively Mm -hmm. fight against um so that you're not violent to um the black women in your life etc so with that said we're gonna move to our final completely different topic it's just near and dear to my heart, and I just wanted to pay all moment, of us pay my mother effing respects to the legend, the OG, the king <laughs> The king of cartoons. <laughs> I was like, Who is she talking about? A-A-R-D-V-A-R-K. <laughs> did you just spell it wrong, sis? I think you no, did. No, I spelled along with you. I think I was okay. Just a maybe wrong. maybe it was a somebody spelled something wrong. I think it was Pat, but it wasn't me. Anyways, Arthur the Aardvark is ending after 25 years.
2: He's been there for our whole, like, most of our life.
1: Your most whole of life, my life. Um, I don't remember a time when I did not watch Arthur. Arthur. Arthur at 4 p.m. on weekdays. Why did you no, do that to him? I don't know, but I did watch <laughs> Arthur religiously. That was like my go-to show, and everybody knew it. And I am sad to know that the show is ending. Um, but I do know that when I watch the more new episodes, it don't hit the same as the old episodes, so it was probably time for him to go. Okay, Mr. Um,
2: Reverend's Wedding was really cute, though. I got emotional.
1: That was iconic. I am glad to see that cartoons are involve- evolving in a in a progressive, quote-unquote way, um, and they're adding more queer characters. Shout out characters to, with mental to, health to issues. Um, Gonzo on,
2: on The New Muppet Babies.
1: Non-binary He's Gonzo. Are you know non- that already? Yeah. No. <laughs> that's what De that's what Colores did not. for the street. It lets you know that Gonzo's non binary now. Period. Yeah, they we're came, they the came out as, fear. I
2: think, or they're like trans, that they came out as trans, that they're, they have a different, oh. or they're non binary and they like can switch. They're, they're like, cause they like were like a, like a fairy and they were very, the kids were like really confused and they were like, what? Oh, on the clip, they were a fairy. Yeah. And they, and they didn't know it, it was Gonzo. And then Gonzo was like, no i'm actually like i'm non-binary like i i like this is me too like this is also part of me and it was like the sweetest thing it was a very sweet clip. so then they like pretty much That's talked sweet. about like pronouns and like being non-binary without like 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 made it for like palpable for like a four-year-old because it's like the new muppet babies which i grew up on
1: so if That's we could get weird. climate change and covid under control like the car- the cartoons are really setting us up for a more inclusive beautiful celebration of a future but i don't know because capitalism and white supremacy might be winning yeah but we
2: will i will say arthur that library card episode i mean it did there's something too many
1: me. classics yo-yo ma <laughs> all of us learned who yo-yo ma was Jekyll checko hi checko, checko,
2: checko
3: hi hi checko checko
2: checko hi, hi Ari's like wow
1: i didn't watch as much television as y'all television raised me and pat so
3: the thing is, I just watch different things. So, like, um, I, I, I fucks with Arthur. I messed with Arthur. I like, you know, I like I that I show. I'm with
1: Arthur.
3: I'm sorry. But I definitely think that y'all watched more than I did. Yeah, wow. I'm And
1: certain. so, like,
3: I, the way that y'all remember Arthur episodes, that's how I remember SpongeBob episodes. Oh, uh, so, see, we
1: didn't have Gable. Dun, dun, dun. dun. Uh, yeah. A moment of class. <laughs> there we go.
3: <laughs> <laughs> this is a layered conversation. This is always
1: always a layer conversation with us but uh yes shout out to arthur shout out to spongebob uh shout out honestly i really admire a lot of people who are still very into cartoons as adults i think my trauma has not let me connect to cartoons for a long time but and i'm not even trying to be funny i'm being i actually am trying to reconnect to my inner child more lately um, but like my sweet pat here pat can connect c- cartoons and all that and i think there's something really beautiful about still connecting to your youth so shout out to everybody you know what that, that reminds me of i don't
3: know if you remember we tried to watch powerpuff girls a few years ago at my apartment and you after a few episodes you were like okay i'm done and i was like oh okay yeah, <laughs> no, I <have> a, I <laughs> so
2: have this makes sense time. we I tried did, to watch yeah, the new we tried to watch the new rugrats like a month or two it was ago. cute it was cute. There's a
3: new Rugrats. There
2: is. Yeah, and the I can't remember the oh. character's name. They were like, "Oh, she's a lesbian now," and we were all like, "Hell oh, yes. yeah!" Well, That's what we mom. thought.
3: Angelica? No, no, the, the twin, twin
2: babies, Phil and Lils' mom.
3: Oh, she'd been a lesbian. We knew. She's been we a all knew, all knew <laughs>
1: but like never What? <laughs> <time. laughs>
3: yeah. Oh, okay. That's funny. well.
1: That is what we have for the juice today. So I am going to ask you a few more questions, Ari. Um, you did tell us about your new exhibitions. Will you tell us more about the work in it and then where we can um, uh, support your work and when these shows are?
3: Yeah. So um, the first show that's coming up, the biennial, um, that work is all new. That's been done in the past few months. I mean, long story short, my big mama, my great grandma lived up here to. Uh, with DFW last fall Um, and along with her came all her stuff and so we found a lot of really beautiful like old photos probably from like the 50s 60s up until like 2004 Um, and so I've kind of been working with those and making collages and this is like family um, photographs family photos yeah and uh them on a silk fabric so that's what will be in the show they'll be suspended like from the ceiling so they can kind of get a little movement um and then one painting of myself and my mom when i was a baby so kind of just thinking a lot i mean eva and i we always talk about like um how a lot of what informed us today is what happened to us when we were kids and so I've been on a journey with like therapy and my family and unpacking things um, about myself and about our experiences and so that's kind of my way of like meditating on that so that's that and then um, the installation at the DMA will be in C3 so their center of creative connections and that show will be all about Miss Marsha Jackson and Shingle Mountain I can't um wait to learn about that. Yeah. So well, we yeah, already kind
1: of
3: know about that, to but that. I think we'll see this. Yeah, exactly. How long <laughs> will it be going on so,
2: yeah. um and at the DMA?
3: Um sixteen months. So almost oh, a year and a half. So I'll
1: have enough time <laughs> to make it. a trip to see it. <laughs>
3: cool. Yeah, for sure. There's no rush. <laughs> so the
1: yeah. biennial it opens in September.
3: September first. Mm -hmm. closes in January
1: opens in December December okay beautiful well y'all keep that in mind um thank you Ari for joining us can you uh can you answer um how you have been finding grounding um and joy in the last two years
3: (laughs) oh god (laughs) um this may sound like cliche or something but I've really learned that moving my body helps Um, because in my job I like sit at a desk and then in my studio I'm also like either just sitting or just standing in one position Mm -hmm. so it's like not giving a lot of movement so I've been trying to get up early and like either go for a walk or work out or something and I found that that really helps with anxiety and stress like I just the whole endorphins thing from working out is real or just moving again you don't have to be like
1: yeah, work out. you and can just I be like on a lock. language is incredibly important and I see it a lot more in yeah. a lot of like fat positive spaces um which is an encouragement yeah. of movement rather than like exercise movement. or working out or the gym um because the key is really to keep our body moving and not so much this force on thinness and like trying exactly. to equate fitness to health um equating to white thin bodies so I appreciate you using movement because I think movement is key um to our health and not so much the other thing for
3: sure I agree. So that helps
1: love it thank <laughs> you for sharing Ari I love you I appreciate you and the streets if y'all want to hear more from me and Ari obviously y'all know we can talk we got a lot to talk about we've been in each other's lives for long enough um so if you want to hear more from Ari or if you want a specific conversation from us please let us know and I'm happy yeah. to make her fit me into her schedule <laughs> again exclusive. someday. We can make it a Patreon exclusive. Um, but thank you so much for joining us today, Ari. You know we're big fans of your work. And obviously we love you deeply. You are our, our fellow Arreguin sister. Um, so please know mm-hmm. that we're always here for you. We're happy to support you. You're our family. We love you. Um, and we're sending love. So thank you.
3: Thank you. I love you all so much. Thanks for having me on again.
1: All right. Now it's time for us to take a little break. Are you tired of boring podcasts about white women dating that get paid millions of dollars on Spotify? Then support us on Patreon <laughs> at patreon.com slash Co. I really would love to buy a new computer, and so would Pat, and we're an evolving show, and we want to expand this platform, so this is your special commercial reminder to go support us for as little as three dollars a month. At three dollars a month, you get to see full video access to these episodes where we are human and problematic, just like the rest of you, so consider subscribing today, Love ya! You can also donate at DeColoresRadio.com slash donate. Welcome back! I'm very excited and honored to be bringing in this beautiful artist to the Colores Radio today. Ariana Brown is a queer Black Mexican-American poet from the south side of San Antonio, Texas. She's the author of the poetry collections We Are Ode and Sana. Sana. Ariana's work investigates queer Black personhood in Mexican-American spaces, Black relationality and girlhood, loneliness, and care. Her debut poetry EP, Let Us Be Enough, is available on Bandcamp. She holds a BA in African diaspora studies and Mexican-American studies from UT Austin, an MFA in poetry from the University of Pittsburgh, and is pursuing an MLS in library and information science from the University of North Texas. Ariana is a 2014 National Collegiate Poetry Slam champion and owes much of her practice to Black performance communities led by Black women poets from the South. She has been writing, performing, and teaching poetry for over 10 years and is currently represented by YNME Creatives. Please welcome to The Colores Radio, Ariana Brown. Yay! I Thank you so much for having me, Eva. I'm so glad you're here. We, we absolutely have been fans for a long time. I low-key got chills reading that about you, and so I'm very excited and honored to have you um, on the show with us today.
0: How, yeah, I'm how super are you pumped. Doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I am back in Houston, um, back in Texas. I was living out of state for a little while, so you know I'm getting used to the summers again
1: yes how long were you away if you don't mind me asking
0: um well it was kind of like back and forth so I was okay. in um I was in Pittsburgh for grad school for three years and then I was in San Antonio for a year and uh-huh. I was in Massachusetts for a year and now I'm back I'm back and I'm settled and I'm n- never moving again
1: <laughs> I was about to say, how do you how okay so I want to know about that transition like because mm-hmm. you grew up in San Antonio which I do want to talk about here shortly but mm-hmm. now you're in Houston so how is what is the difference there from like you know, these pretty in parts of Texas, but very different.
0: Very different. Very, very different. Um, I mean, I've always had a relationship to Houston because my dad's family is from here. They literally, they live from Katy to Galveston, all of oh, my dad's wow. side of the family. Um, my grandma's in, in Leak City. My great grandma's in Galveston. My uncle's here in Houston. Um, so I used to spend summers here as a kid. Um, so it definitely feels like I'm from here in a way. My people are, are from here. Um sure. But yeah, I feel like San Antonio is a big city that feels like a small town,
1: you know? Yes, I learned that when I visited again recently, because all of them were like, this is a small town. There's not traffic. Shout out to like Isabel and other San Antonio folks. But I was like... Damn, you're right. Dallas is not like this. San Antonio has that small town vibe though. It does. Yes.
0: I mean, every time I go to HEB, I see someone that I know. Yeah. It doesn't matter what H E B I go to. Do you understand what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Cause it's that small. You just San yeah. Antonio like is very much uh it's a small world in that town.
0: <laughs> yes. And I think also like I wanted to I wanted to be in Houston because I wanted to be somewhere where I was around black where I didn't have to search for black people where I could just move somewhere and they were here um and I think also I feel like my art can grow here in a way that I I didn't feel it could in San Antonio like I think um I I feel like the art scene in San Antonio um, is very much like, if you're not making art about Selena, Hot the San Antonio Spurs, La Virgen de Guadalupe, like people or don't all really of them know. Combined. Or all of them combined. People don't really know how to respond to you. You know, they're like, this right. is not... Or My you're making experience. work
1: explicitly calling that out. Right. right. And, and that's right. the thing that what you're saying is very beautiful and exciting for where your career is going, because now like you're you're saying you're not looking for the blackness. Houston is very much inherently black. Um, so it is definitely going to have a shift in your work. And I'm excited mm-hmm. to see that. Um, and, and I'm glad that you have that, that the roots were already there. So mm-hmm. you're just kind of like reclaiming your connection to this to this, you know, prominent city
0: in texas yeah definitely and i mean too like i i came up as a youth poet in texas right and mm-hmm. we did scrimmages in houston in dallas in college station in austin so like i've known the poetry community here in houston since i was 17 i'm 28 wow. now you yeah. know ebony stewart was my first mentor and she lives down the street from me now so it wow. it, it felt like coming home in a way even yeah. though i've never lived here you know full
1: circle yeah Beautiful. So as we we're, were bringing up San Antonio, I, I did want to talk a little bit about your upbringing in general, because I think um, probably one of the reasons I'm excited and nervous about this interview, which sometimes I'm not that nervous, but this time I am. And I think it's because you represent a lot of what we want to talk about on De Colores, right? You're kind of already, you you your life is in that intersection of like mm-hmm. um, queerness, blackness, Mexican, you know, all these backgrounds that we see, Um I guess, or, or we've so often seen oppressed um, and often pitted against each other here in Texas, but also I know in Dallas, it's like we're neighbors and we work together, we live together, we breathe together, um, but there's also still these inherent things that happen um, historically because of white supremacy, right? And so mm-hmm. I am very curious about your general upbringing and I, I know your work um, unpacks this a lot, but I'd love to hear from you uh, directly.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> Um Yeah, I grew up on the south side of San Antonio, which is closer to the border with Mexico than it is to Houston, um, to give you, you know, a a sense of what things are like um, there. And so I think for me... something that's also important that doesn't necessarily have to do with growing up in San Antonio, but it is about my upbringing, is that um, my, my mother is like a brown, mestiza, Mexican-American woman. Um, mm-hmm. My father was African-American and he died before I was born. Um, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm their only child um, of, of my mom and my dad. Um, and so when I was growing up, I was the only Black person in my house, which wow. is a very unique experience. You know, mm-hmm. It's one thing to be the only Black person in your neighborhood, and your school, which I was also that growing up. But to be the only one in your house is a very like
1: That's another layer.
0: Yeah, it's very lonely, very isolating. Um, mm. And so, I think a, a lot of how this ties into my work is that I'm I've been looking for community for a really long time. Been looking for ways to understand blackness and its social positioning and its history, and to understand why people respond to me in the ways that they do in whatever spaces I move through. Which right. is part of why I studied ethnic studies when I was an undergrad, I wanted to have an understanding of history, right? If I understood histories of the geography of Texas, of how Texas came into being, right, of how Mexican Americans view identity, of how Blackness has existed in these spaces for a very long time, um, right. it helps give context for my present and my experiences.
1: Right. And so a lot of that even, like, was it in search of that in school or were you already aware of that loneliness that like, obviously you were experiencing it in real time as a young person, mm-hmm. but you, were you able to name it then? Or was it when you went to school that you were able, cause I, a lot of people I think around our age finally get the vocabulary for these terms and these things they were searching um, for that they were often impacted with once they, once they get into school. And so I'm curious mm-hmm. as to if that was your experience or were you able to name these things at a young age, and had like a you know family around you that were able to kind of help you unpack that as well.
0: That's a really good question. I'm glad you asked it. I think, I think I was probably like a tragic biracial person for a long time um, until I got to undergrad and my my foundational degrees in Black Studies. Um, and it was there that that I was taught to have an analysis of power, right? To say it's, 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 it's not that I'm caught between two worlds. That's not what it right. is. It's right. that I'm experiencing anti-Blackness from Mexican-Americans in the space in which I currently exist. That's right. what it is. And so right. once I could name, okay, I'm experiencing anti-Blackness, then I can say, what are my allegiances? Well, my allegiances are to other Black people and to Black liberation. and Anything that stands in the way of that is not for me. Right. Um, and that has allowed me to make really meaningful relationships and connections with Black peoples across diaspora, particularly Afro-Indigenous peoples and Afro-Caribbean peoples, because they can teach me about the limits of Chicano nationalism, of Mexican nationalism, right? Because they've experienced it. Um, So I think, if anything, it's helped me be a lot more clear about my language and my allegiances at the same time.
1: Absolutely. It sounds like it. I, I can't imagine your experience as a young person, especially like you're saying, being the only one in your household is another layer. I don't think people necessarily unpack, um, but also, or or they don't even have the ability to. And then what I often see happening, especially in Texas, and we've joked many times with many different guests on the pod, like Texas is Mexico, you know, like the majority of Latinos here are Mexican. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, you know, there is a, a growing rate of like, you know, Salvadorian folks and Puerto and Rican other
3: folks. folks too but, mm-hmm. yes
1: but even then so right there's anti-blackness inherently in all of Latin America right yeah uh, but there's an inability to name that as well it's kind of just like oh no we that's not us we're not you know you know well, from
0: the non-black ones right <laughs>
1: absolutely absolutely and so that's where it's just like living in that intersection is just like I, I imagine it being very different in San Antonio than from someone like in Dallas, because I do think Texas operates geographically still very different. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, that common thread is this like allegiance to white supremacy, right? Whether you're light complected or uh, a little more brown, et cetera, Like you're still there's is still built into the structure. So um, creating work from there. um, you know, what I guess I'm wondering when did you start creating work? When did that become healing and expressive for you um, to really unpack that? Because it sounds like like you were definitely questioning this your whole life with your with your family. And then you've kind of found it more in, in school.
0: Yeah. I don't I don't know if I can remember specifically when I started writing about these things. I, I remember starting to write poetry in high school. Um okay. And because that's when I kind of found spoken word, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Like on YouTube, I I watched so many deaf poetry, (laughs) Jim, videos. The power of YouTube. (laughs) Exactly. You know, to know that you could write about your life. Um, Mm -hmm. Because it was so different from the poetry I was reading in school. Um, But I think it probably wasn't until undergrad when I was taking classes in Black Studies um, that I, I would feel so moved in my classrooms by the things that we were learning and the experiences that my classmates were sharing um, that I wanted to figure out how to share that information with people outside of the academy who, who weren't in those classes with me or, or who might never be. Right. Yeah. So that's that's kind of, I think, when they started to make their, their way into my poems. Right. And then I, I also had a more thorough understanding of my own experiences. So I could tie the... The things that people would say to me or, or strange experiences I had had, I could tie those to concepts I was learning in class and kind of put them together in a poem right. and then perform it for folks. Yeah.
1: Right. And how, if, if you don't mind me asking, how did your Mexican family respond to this? Have they responded well? And and the reason I I, I want to bring this up, hopefully not to trigger you in any way, because I know it is uh, probably very sensitive, but also because I think there's so many families that, like, don't realize the pain they're perpetuating a lot of times. Um, and so I think it's important we, like, name that as well so that people can catch themselves because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's been something foundationally with the colores i wanted to be very intentional about um mm-hmm. it's like naming this anti-blackness and and really you know um being honest about who our culture is and what it represents um because there are beautiful parts right and also we can we can state this stuff and work on it and become even better right and so i do wonder if you're willing to share a bit of that experience
0: it's actually funny that you asked that because um I feel like there's a really big difference in how like my the Mexican American side of my family responds to my poetry versus like the African American side of my family, um, right. and and it's not it doesn't really have to do with like um, with race um, in terms of like what they're responding to. But when I bring my Mexican American side of the family to poetry events, they'll come every time if I invite them. Okay. But because. Mexican-Americans don't come from a history of spoken word like African-American folks do, right? It's not necessarily a call and response culture. Like that side of my family doesn't really know how to respond to the poem. So they'll show up, they will listen, they will clap when the poems are done. And after the show, they will not say a word to me about the poems. They'll just be like, good job, Mija. We're going to go out to eat, uh, you know, at the restaurant down the street. You want to come with us? It's just very like they show up and they're present, but we're not having deep conversations about anything right which is very different um you know my uncle that lives here who's he's my dad's oldest brother um he used to write poems himself right and if i invite him to any show i have here in houston he's there every time and he's the loudest one in the audience <laughs>
1: you know what i mean yeah that's where it came from probably right
0: exactly like <clears throat> black people have a very different way of relating to each other you know and even if my uncle wasn't a poet it's still very like the cultural origins of spoken word and slam poetry are rooted in black performance traditions stemming from you know the black church black oral traditions um types of black ritual and performance so there is a unspoken understanding of this is how you show up in this space and you give back to the performer, you know, then that doesn't really exist on the other side of my family. So they right. they don't really know what to do with me. They're proud of me, but they they're not talking to me about what I'm saying in my work.
1: Right. And that makes me think of so many different things, because I often um, I encounter a lot of Mexican folks and especially, you know, Mexican femmes, Mexican women that are like calladitas you know like they are still like I and and it's not that they're quiet people Mm -hmm. but in very public spaces it's like they still get very overwhelmed with like taking on this role of like the outspoken um, woman and so like I I I I encounter that a lot like how did you get that way and I'm like Mm -hmm. well I was raised by a single mom and it was four girls so like we were constantly yelling at each other Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: it was you know it's very interesting to me because I'm like I I do think that's part of our culture in a way as well right this like you know, mas calladita, mas bonita, whatever that phrase, that quote is. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I do wonder, because I'm like, sometimes I even wonder if that's like, you know, us trying to adhere to white supremacist culture of like being quiet, being meek, being humble. And so we don't question anything. We kind of just roll with it. We'll show up and feed you because we love you. You know what I mean? Like that Mm -hmm. to me feels like what you're saying is very Mexican in a lot of ways. Because sometimes I'm like, can you like, tell me something, you know, because I'm yes. with you. Like, I'm like, yeah. no, I, I agree 100%. And I see that. And it makes me kind of sad sometimes, because you're like, damn, like, this is did you like it? You know, right. <laughs> I like it. Were you listening? Right. And so right. I'm like, no, that, that I, I do think a lot of those things are historical. And at the same time, like I think about, you know, when I first learned that Latinos were the number one moviegoers of all demographics, right? So we love a story. We love the arts. Yeah. We like, We like viewing it, but it's like, no, unless it's like a corrido or a movie or something very like accessible or something just more familiar, we're not usually in attendance or participating um, unless it was already kind of rooted maybe culturally or in our community. Um, Not that we're not, but it does make me wonder how we're like processing these things, right? Because I think it is telling um, the differences and even just poetry and your experience with your own family.
0: Yeah, I mean... I think there's a lot of truth to that. I, and I feel like there's a lot that you just said that I feel like is true in my family as well. You know, like my my grandma when she'll come to events, event, she'll record everything on her tablet, but she'll have a completely straight face the entire time. <laughs> you she know won't, what smile? I mean? yeah, won't smile, but she'll go up to every performer afterwards and shake yeah. their hand and ask them if they have a book, you know. Aww. She won't smile at any point, but wow. she's engaged in that way, but yeah. But I think something that that is also different is that I have been to um, poetry spaces and performance spaces with Black Latin American folks, um, and they are also always very expressive um, uh, and and engaged in the same way that I see African Americans are. So I, I, there is something I think that is inherent about Black performance traditions across the diaspora um, that brings Black folks in. So yeah, I, I think there is something uh, something about it that is that is inherently about. Um, about blackness and and ways of relating
1: yeah I also okay so you kind of mentioned it earlier but I think on a few it's been several episodes ago probably years ago at this point but we had like uh, our friend Melania on a few times yeah we ended up up coming up with the title identity crisis girls which is pretty much for like oh my
0: gosh I listened to that episode it was perfect it was great
1: (laughs) But like, it's very that right where it's like, uh, I think a lot of us are going through this or have um, and it just it I can't not like joke with it because I'm just like, wow, we really when it comes to identity, it's either like you're so disconnected or it's like it really becomes uh, like we're almost choking on it. Right. Because it's like, damn, we don't know how to like live or exist without without this. And so Mm -hmm. um, I guess as we go into unpacking some of your work, Um, I do appreciate you, like, not attacking, but, like, discussing loneliness, because Mm -hmm. I think that is something um, that a lot of people, I think most people have experience with it to some degree, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think people are also afraid of uh, talking about it, and and you bringing this context of, um, you know, a Black woman who doesn't want to live for pain, I think is really uh, critical at a time, Mm -hmm. like, right now, and so I just, I know that's more of your recent work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get comfortable to even speak about these things?
3: Mm.
0: Mm. I think. I think for a long time I've been interested in vulnerability in, mm. in poems. Um, I think part of it is kind of pushing back against, certain ways of writing and performing that have become really popular in slam and spoken word um right. and there's nothing wrong with those things i think that i just think that it's a lot i'm trying to i'm trying to be careful with my words mm. i think it would be dishonest and disingenuous of me to get on stage um or to come to the page while i'm writing and try to be the coolest version of myself Mm. Um, because that's not who I am (laughs) 24 seven. You know, I'm a regular person. Um, I'm also a queer, lonely, sad black girl. Um, Mm. And I do think that loneliness is structural, Um, Mm. you know, like in the same way that violence is. Um, And there is a particular kind of, of trauma and isolation that is produced when you Exist at certain intersections and you've experienced certain violences and traumas. Um, And I think at a certain point, for me, I have to write about certain things so that I will continue to be alive. Um, That like me writing and being honest is for me like a form of testimony. It's a form of ritual. Sharing it with others is is a form of ceremony. Um, And so when I go into that vulnerable space, it's a practice of honesty. You know, mm-hmm. I, cannot, I cannot stand in front of you and lie to you about what my life is like. Um, I cannot pretend. I also am not a poet who thinks of myself as an entertainer. I know a lot of poets do, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Um, but for me and my own work, that's not something I'm interested in, in the kinds of things that I'm writing about. For me, I'm very interested in being genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm still a strong performer, you know. But that that aspect of authenticity in, in personhood is something that I'm very, it's, it feels crucial to my writing practice. Um, and I think when I perform those poems and when I write and share those poems about being a lonely, sad, queer Black girl, there are always other queer, sad, lonely Black girls who come up to me afterwards or who message me afterwards and are like, this is my life too you know and so I think it also offers an opening to other people who are like this is my life too and and I don't have to kind of cry in the shadows you know like maybe we can like touch hands cry from together. across the room yeah. and and it can be okay for this for moment
1: sure. you're opening up this invitation to this community that has always felt in the shadows as is and so mm-hmm. you're like oh we can actually hold hands here I mm-hmm. you bring up a couple points and I, I do appreciate you even sharing that because I know it took a lot to be vulnerable about that. Um, and I don't know if this is a term, but it felt like it could work like a method poet. poet. Uh, mm-hmm. I know it's method acting, you know, they never they are in the role and it doesn't come out. And I'm like, I have never heard it applied to poetry, but I'm doing it <laughs> today uh, because I feel that. Right. It's like, no, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to be an influencer, right? Like people will tell mm-hmm. me like, oh, you're an influencer. I don't want to be an influencer. I want no, to be thank myself, you. right? Okay. <laughs> can I just be paid for this? This is ideal, right? Um, But it's so fascinating because I've often or recently encountered more so that even being authentically yourself is a weapon, right? Yeah. Uh, people can see that as a threat. Mm-hmm. Um, And also, you know, this concept I, I think loneliness comes from this concept rather of again, white supremacists like need to force like this one successful person does it alone. Like
3: mm-hmm. I
1: don't know if it's lone wolf would be the term, but white supremacists seem to like that term. So I'll go with that. But like this very like lone wolf, you gotta grind, you gotta do it on your own, blood, mm-hmm. sweat, and tears through mm-hmm. whoever wrongs you, you know, just very like self-absorbed um narcissistic Jeff Bezos looking at type of <laughs> like you know what i mean like i don't even yeah. know what the word is but it is very that right where you're supposed to be self made and it's like i think to me quarantine really showed me like i cannot survive alone like right i i did but i i was not well you know yeah. and so yeah. like that's the thing that i it's hard to say that right because mm-hmm we even if we didn't plan to like so much of how we're raised is like you have to do it alone me how you have to be independent yes. you have to have yeah. your stuff together yeah. you got to be able to take care of yourself you have to buy your own stuff and it's like ooh mm-hmm. you know i'm tired too like i want to mm-hmm. be cared for like i don't yes. want to i don't want to cry alone tonight like right. i don't, I don't want to have to suffer mm-hmm. and so even naming loneliness right i think as like this thing that really isn't healthy right yeah. i think because there's like oh you i think there's some like um grace jones quotes about solitude and i remember trying to make myself comfortable with them because <laughs> excuse me oh i i love grace jones right so i was like oh i have to relate to this quote you know because mm-hmm. i fuck with her mm-hmm. and i was like grace i i can't you know I was just like, <laughs> i can to a certain degree <laughs> but at the same time I was like, no, you know, like, this is where it's okay to analyze even our faves, right? And be like, you know what, this is, this is me. Sometimes I do a lot alone. I'm very accustomed to being independent. I've spent, you know, the majority of my life single, etc., And at the same time, like, I know I do better with people or I do better when I have someone helping and checking on me. And so I, Mm -hmm. I do see this like force of loneliness and all that as like a, I guess a symptom or, or a after effect of white supremacy, um, because a lot of, you know, Latino culture and black culture is very community driven, right? Like, And we can bring her in here shortly. My, my home girl, Ari, but it's even like in our connection, in our relationship, in our friendship, it was like, Oh, we do this too. Oh, we do this too. Oh, we do this too. And it was like, you know, that was like a lot of the first, I would say like few chapters of our friendship. And it was like, damn, there are a lot of similarities and there's obviously differences as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, But
1: at the same time, it was like, Oh, you're not doing well. Let me take you food. Let me do this. And so it was just like, Mm damn like this can community care can really save your life but because we are so accustomed to the opposite in a lot of circumstances um, it often becomes detrimental to our health
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely and I think too like am I allowed to curse on here
1: Please. Okay. please encourage it you
0: know? I never know you gotta ask sometimes you know no, we appreciate it but yes you're free to speak your heart mind and soul I don't know if there are children listening or what's going on they um, might but they're gonna learn so this, is, this is our authentic selves right I mean I mostly what I was gonna say is that like I mean I feel like I know I can I can speak like for on like The things that I have seen on the Mexican American side of my family, like specifically what you were talking about in terms of like the, you know, sort of being raised to be like you have to take care of yourself, you have to do it all by yourself. Um, I think that that there was an article that came out a few years ago um, that was kind of like tracing what are the popular values in different regions of the U.S. Mm -hmm. and in this particular region, um, in Texas, um, like the part of Texas that includes San Antonio, they were talking about how things like hard work um and like um being able to like provide for oneself um are like some of the highest rated values right that like this idea that you can never need something from someone else that you must be able to just like that that hard work ethic right and i feel like that's really prevalent in my family which is which i think is an example of like capitalism like fucking fucking everybody up Absolutely. right because i think there are ways um like when you were mentioning, like in, in some cultures, like um there's such a focus on community. I don't know if I can say the same. I don't know if I can say that for my family. I think in certain ways, yes. Right. But I think, I think in a lot of ways, that capitalist mindset has really prevented them from providing care to some of my other family members who really needed it, you know, who have have ended up being in violent, dangerous situations because my other family members could not get past that kind of thinking, you know, they, it was exactly Mm -hmm. the pride of it all, or, you know, that kind of, you know, how some people are like, I, I went through something terrible, um, and, now because of that I don't have compassion for anyone who goes through that thing I don't have
1: to go I went through it you can do it too
0: right exactly suck it up figure it out you know stop feeling sorry for yourself like I feel like my family is very much in that kind of mindset and I'm like yo this is not this is not community period Right,
1: Right. you know yeah I often and that makes me think of um not that this is always true right because these are obviously our experiences personally but Mm -hmm. um, I think also sometimes it has to do with like uh, lineage like how far down from like I know my family's like from Mexico right oh my Mm. god this dog is barking (laughs) (laughs) my family's like you know directly from Mexico and so there's still that's where to me that community really comes from where it's like okay Mm -hmm. we're gonna take care of you. We're going to feed you. You're coming to our house. We're going to, you know, all these things. And so when I see like my, I guess, more Mexican-American, like Tejano Mm. uh, friends, I'd be like, oh, this is very American, right? Like it's heavy on the American. And so that's where I'm like, I don't obviously know where your lineage lands, but I do think sometimes those kind of factor into it as well. um, Sure. Because of you know i guess in el rancho like it's going to be a different more community oriented living mm-hmm. um than if you've been you know 8 8 uh, generations down in texas like it's mm-hmm. going to be a lot more american
0: mm-hmm.
1: um or at least i guess that's the way i process it or i've experienced it and so i'm just like there's definitely factors always mm-hmm. um and i hate that you didn't you didn't get that experience right cuz now I, I do know that's a big part of my identity. So whenever I got into like radical activism spaces and they were, you know, naming these things community care and this and that, I was like, so dead ass just caring for each other, you know, right. like
0: showing could, up. Yeah, I was like <laughs> being a person.
1: Yes. And so it was like, wow, Eva has this great plan. And I was like, I would do this for anyone, right? right. But it's like it's, yeah. it's rare. Like sometimes yeah. it becomes really rare. Yeah. Um Ari, do you mind me throwing you in right now? Our sweet Ari has, uh, you know, been on before many a times. I'm going to thank you. Welcome to the show, Ari.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having me. I've been enjoying this conversation. And Ariana, you almost moved me to tears when you were talking about um, loneliness and it being systemic and structural and you being able to... Come to your work as your full self, and in that, giving permission to other people to be themselves and to like seek that out. So, yeah, um, it's been it's been good. I'm glad to be backstage and listening to this.
1: Well, now you're in front stage, so
3: and I'm in front stage.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Ari, did you have any other thoughts or responses to some of the stuff uh, we mentioned? I know that uh, you and I have discussed these things, our entirety of our friendship. Um, and I'm sure we could probably do another full episode on that, but I, I do think a lot of these differences are also geographical. Um, but you know, Ariana lives in this this perfect intersection of of both blackness and Mexicanness.
3: Right. I think um, what first comes to mind is what you were just talking about, Eva, which is um, you're you are very uh, community based and very. I think I can just see, you know, from the almost 10 years of going to your house and (laughs) going to gatherings and stuff, um, the way that Eva cares for people is very different than how I grew up and the model that I grew up seeing. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I've learned a lot through our friendship, Eva, in terms of, yeah, like you said, like this idea, like, I will bring you food. I will do these other little things to help take care of you. I'll run errands with you, those kinds of things. I didn't grow up with that because of what y'all were talking about before, which is that um, the way that capitalism has fucked us up and the way that we have to be so individualistic, um, so independent, like that's what I saw growing up with um, my mother, single black woman who came from a family that is deeply traumatized and not connected um, in the way that you were talking about, Eva. And so I I grew up too with, a, uh, I'm also her only child and like the only child, I grew up as an only child. Um, so that very like deeply rooted independent nature and almost cold nature, mm-hmm. I, I can like see that in myself sometimes um, through being friends with eva because again i grew up pretty alone or just with my mom you know i had like close friends at school and stuff but again it wasn't one of those like you know some parents are like oh invite your friends over they can sleep over or whatever it wasn't like that for me so like to be with my friends i had to like you know go to their house or something like that Mm -hmm. um seeing the way that she worked and how you know the way she prioritized work and not relationships you know like Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people that are very similar to her that don't have friends. And I, in college, found people who are my friends but also my family. And so it's it's been very eye-opening for me um, to see the ways that you can care for someone Um, because I'm a very caring person and I'm very sensitive and I love and all these things, but I, I was never really taught I don't think a healthy way to show that. Um, and so I think that our friendship has has taught me a lot in, in terms of that and in terms of like, you don't have to do everything alone because I still, I still think like that sometimes and I'm trying to unlearn that. But um, yeah, I think it's very important to understand that and to like internalize that rather than internalizing, you know, very individualistic sort of like it's great to be independent it's great to um be able to do things for yourself and take care of yourself but like Mm -hmm. we have to be able to admit that we have needs and like yeah we need people
0: so it's so hard to like to kind of unlearn that um that kind of like really staunch independence, right? Like, I was also raised by a single mom and I could relate to a lot of what you were just saying. Ari. Like, mom like, gang, all of Look, it's, <laughs> it's, it's such a way of life, you know. I feel like I was always, yeah. I always describe my mom as like a person who gets shit done. Um, mm-hmm. talking with my uncle earlier today, and I was like, my mom is like. She's really amazing. Like when she, when she has things to do, they're going to get done in a spectacular fashion, you know, like the way she's great with logistics. You know what I mean? Like if there's, I, I call her a makeaway woman. Like if there's not a way she'll make a way, you know what I mean? Um, but I think sometimes she does that to her detriment you know like she's always talking about how tired she is or how she doesn't feel like doing something or how she's not getting enough sleep or how different parts of her body hurt you know or how there's not enough hours in the day to do all of the things on her on her list to go to work and go across town to buy the discounted item that she needs to make dinner that day and do the laundry and do this and and sometimes I just want to tell her, like you were saying, you don't have to do everything, or it doesn't have to be perfect. Like, what if you, what if you just let a few things fall apart so that you could be a person, you know? And and I feel sometimes ridiculous for even thinking that or trying to suggest that to her, <laughs> you know. But it's because I see the way that like being ultra productive like that all the time how it wears on a person. You're not meant to do all of that all it's the time.
1: Killing us, it really be- Like to me, that's and it's catchy. survival. It really be- yeah. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. For sure. Mm-hmm. That's all they
1: know, right? And so often like no, I know it feels silly to tell her that, but it means a lot, right? Like our parents do really. I I I hope at least, right? I've noticed more at this age that like, oh, we might have argued about that, but she kind of heard me, right? Like they kind of mm-hmm. resonated and it might have it might have changed something too. Cuz I know like my mom lately, like it'll be like lunchtime and she'll be like I'm so exhausted and I don't know why, and I'm like you you've been up working since 5 a.m. Like that's a full day already for a lot of people. Yes. Like, how are you not, you know, and she'll keep, even right now she's running around the house, right? Like it's, it's over a 14 hour day then at that point. Right. And so, but because so many of our, our parents are in this survival mode, right. As Latinx folks, as black folks, um, there, like rest is unfamiliar. Right. And I, mm-hmm. I think a couple years ago, I even told my mom, like, what is healing for you look like? Right. Cause I know for me what it looked like. Um, but I was like, what is he- healing for you? And of course she mentioned church, right. Which is often a, a space of healing for a lot of older folks, because that is the place where they get to breathe and receive this word. And it really becomes sort of therapeutic for them. And even though for a lot of people are our, our age, I know it becomes, it's kind of triggering, right. Because it is, uh, I, at least for me, a place that it's like I, I lost a lot of myself there. Yeah. Um, and so it's just very interesting. But I also want to name and thank Ari. You, I did not expect all these beautiful, kind words um, <laughs> in that regard. And I, I appreciate that love because uh, it's it's such an interesting dynamic because I do know, like, obviously, my Mexican culture is a huge part of who I am. And that's like not there's no separating that. And at the same time, like, if you watch any of my work, it's a lot of like, my major influences throughout my life have been Black women, right? And so I'm often, often like regurgitating this thing, even as a, we- uh, a Wexican, wow, a Mexican woman, <laughs> not a Wexican, I don't even know what that is, maybe a white Mexican, but that's not me. Uh, but I was trying to say Mexican woman. Um, <laughs> my true colors coming out no just kidding Uh, no but I I I think that's it's just such an interesting thing and it almost feels full circle in a way because it's like no I actually like I want to name and address these things because I know that like you know and I've said it a million times on the show as a Mexican girl like the only place I kind of felt seen anywhere was in black spaces or with black television or with all these things and I think that happens to a lot of um, particularly Mexicans in Texas, right? Which is often where it gets problematic as well because then yeah. they get so comfortable with Black culture. And, you know, a lot of times Latinos are kind of like entrenched in it um, that, you know, they start saying the N-word, they can't stop, like all these things. And it's like, whew, okay.
0: But they can't stop, but they won't.
1: Right. And and they don't want to, right? Like, right. They, like, I know I've had conversations with cousins where I'm like, why are you wearing your hair like that? You should probably not be doing that right? right why
3: do you have a do when <laughs> a black person could tell them and they still won't listen
1: <laughs> right right but yeah. then they also have the they're they're like oh well my black friend said I could I'm like okay and this is where it's like it becomes almost like a different layer of hood politics right where you're just like okay I I tried right and so but I think because we're not having these conversations often enough Um, I think that makes, and not to put any more pressure on you than life has already given you, but that's what makes your work, Ariana, like 10 times more important, right? Because you, you do live and breathe at the intersection, um, and you do it so gracefully and you don't have to. And so knowing how, um, deeply, you know, authentic and vulnerable you are in your work, um, makes it that much more powerful, I think.
0: Thank you for that. I really, really appreciate hearing you say that, um. Yeah, it's funny, too, because I feel like when I first started um, performing uh, a lot more regularly, like I'll say this, a lot of my earlier work that made its way to YouTube and that people found has a very different politics than my work now. Oh, so wow. my book that's oh, coming out. Goes. I know, I know. Like somehow the the Chicano nationalists and the children of Atslan are always finding me, you know, <laughs> like, oh, this speaks to me, you know, brown pride, my you know, my hermana. Somebody. Stop it, stop it. And I'm just like, oh no. That
1: was <laughs> the old me. I don't know her anymore. <laughs> right, 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 right. Like please please stop. Right.
0: <laughs> <But laughs> they won't. Yeah. They won't. But I I, I feel like something I mentioned earlier that I feel like I've been, um, making more connections and relationships with, um, Afro-Indigenous folk and Afro-Caribbean folks, right. Mm -hmm. Um, who are very like, um, and like following the work of people like Melania Luisa, you know, who are very disinvested from Latinidad as a project, you know, or like as an identity. Um, You know the kind of like I'm a black woman first. Like wherever I go in the world, that's always how I am treated and interacted with, and that's where my politics and allegiances lie. Um, and so, in in my book, we are owed that's coming out next week on the 29th of July. Um, I talk a lot about sort of distancing myself from like Mexicanness as an identity, right? Not really feeling like like how can one of the questions I ask in the book is like, who are you without your country? Um, like if you had to describe yourself, or if you had to get to know yourself, and you couldn't say, "I'm Mexican," right? Who are you outside of those things? Um, what is your personhood like if you disinvest from a relationship to a nation state, right? Because a nation state, mm-hmm. like to exist, right, requires anti-blackness, requires white supremacy, requires this heteropatriarchy, right, is founded upon principles of slavery and genocide, um, and is still perpetuating those values and beliefs, right? So like. Right. Who am I if I am disinvested from these things? Am I still a person I know? Am I still a person I like? Um, and what will my what will that do to my relationships? Right. And I can already see your faces.
1: Like it's real, because mm-hmm. that's what we're all taught to identify as and with, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's your nationalism is mm-hmm. grade A, number one, you know.
0: Mm hmm. hmm. Sure. You know, or I mean, you can look at the history of of so many things in in Mexico, since we're talking about, you know, Mexico and its relationship to Texas, right. like,
2: Absolutely.
0: you know, like when people say like Texas was Mexico is like, yes, that's true. But when Texas was Mexico, most Mexicans in Texas were Spaniards. Right. Um, so when we say we didn't cross the border, the border crossed us. That's the line of colonizers, you know, oh, like, right. on, like on there both are, like, sides.
1: Indigenous folks here that, uh, correct.
0: So, right, Mexico point. colonized Texas.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> tell right? you, like, I and when I hear these things, and sometimes it's even in these quote unquote woke spaces, right? And I'm just like, mm-hmm. all right, that's probably why y'all don't like me that much, but it's fine, you know, like because it makes me uncomfortable. And I'm like, yeah. that's that's fine, you know, because I. I know I was there before. I think it's a learning Mm -hmm. process for all of us. And I think that's a major thing. And maybe, and you can share with us any other like takeaways or anything from there, because it's like, people start to feel that identity crisis so bad that they like, don't know what to do. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, but you can still live and be your truth and know that all, all of these systems have their flaws and have their nuances Mm -hmm. and and once we get comfortable with those nuances then you're able to acknowledge first yourself and change yourself and then start working on these systemic things at a larger scale Mm -hmm. Um, but I think because we're so afraid to criticize anything like we just end up going in a circle because then it's like oh this person is a hater this person is this or this Mm -hmm. person and Mm -hmm. it's like nope we're just trying to have some damn you know equity or whatever the key word of the week is, right? Like we just want peace and we want to breathe and live. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. I mean it makes me think of um um Javier Wallace and Dash Harris are two like black Latin American folks who are very active on social media and they also teach um they teach workshops and classes on um, history and contemporary politics of like black Latin America. Um, and I took a course with them took three courses with them this month. And they were fantastic. Javier is actually based in Austin right now. I,
1: thought so. I follow his work.
0: Yeah. Um, he's super knowledgeable of the history of Black people in Texas and specifically throughout Latin America. His family actually, um, his Black family in Texas were trafficked from a different part of the Deep South, I think Alabama. Um, um, and they were owned by Stephen F. Austin's who like wow. who, like father who founded of Texas. Austin Right, father yeah. of Texas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so like he talks a lot about the ways that Latinidad is weaponized against black folks. Um and I, I don't know, I think that these are things that like I don't feel like a lot of the things that I say are are new, you know, they're things that I'm constantly learning from black latin american people who are based in latin america um kind of kind of pushing back against like this narrative of like brownness and and latinidad you know saying like a lot of the folks in the u.s who are you know crying racism and, and all of these things are actually part of the ruling class in latin america you know right. so it's like we got to be listening to the black folks everywhere you know otherwise mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna miss some things
1: absolutely i i have been meaning to take uh because they offer them pretty frequently i know a dash does them with some other folks as well Mm -hmm. and i've been meaning to do them and i'm like one day i want to have them on the pod but um hopefully we can make it happen eventually but they are brilliant voices right and they are these even for myself right Mm -hmm. Uh, like where i'm like unpacking this shit and i'm having to be like oh okay i need to work on this too right and i think that's the thing that people don't think woke people like do, but it's like, no, it took me, I, it took me a lot of work to get here. Or even you saying like my old work is not who I am now. Right. Like period. that, that is what growth is. That is what it's about. So whew, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for being with us. I obviously wish, or I'm sure we could go on for much longer, but I, I do have to start wrapping up. Um, I do want to ask you, um, what does joy look and feel like for you?
0: I mean, something I'm thinking about um, that I was thinking when I saw that Ari was going to be a part of this conversation, too, is, is I think I think I feel a lot of joy um, when I look at Ari's work, um, mm-hmm. like I think her paintings um, and a lot of her recent digital work um, as well, which I'm super interested in. Um, I, I think often it's like seeing seeing and experiencing art that other Black women have created that reflects something back to me about the conditions that are familiar to me, mm-hmm. you know, um, or like that allow me to exist in, in moments of quiet, right? Or that recognize my interiority as a person. Um, I think there's so, I think there's so much in that, you know, and, and I, I, my craft is words, you know, that's, that's what I'm familiar with um, creating visuals with words, but it's something I think very different to see somebody creating in a different medium that is visual because it's immediate in in a way that words aren't. Um, and I think can communicate things in just in different ways. Right. Um, and so I think when I first saw Ari's work um, uh, on your, on your website, you know, and scrolling through all the different pieces in a safe place um there was something so immediate, especially when I saw the the piece cut, that would become the cover art for my chapbook, Sana Sana. Um, it was like a, like an immediate feeling, you know, where I, I closed the the website and, and a week later I was still thinking about those images. And I, I think that there is something so, it's a complex joy, right? It's, 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 because it's also not an easy joy um, right. because there's know that yes and <laughs> yes, and right. Those moments of recognition, right. Um, but yeah, I think that generally speaking, I, I think I feel a lot of joy. well, it's it's a joy that's rooted in aliveness, mm-hmm. right? Um, a joy that makes me feel alive, that makes me feel present, that makes me feel connected to other beings and to, to the earth. Um, that's what I feel when I, when I experience um, Ari's work and other Black women's work who are being very careful about the work that they make.
1: Intention. Ari, would you like to respond? Because that was so beautiful.
3: I was like, how do I get off mute? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't even have words. Um, Thank you so much for sharing that. And I think you know, I think not every artist is like this, but whenever I'm making work, um, I am, I'm equally not thinking about who's going to see it and I just want to make for myself, but I also oh, am very intentional about speaking to other Black women specifically. Um, and so just to hear that you could see an image that I created and then like think about it, respond to it and like feel it, Um deeply within yourself is just like, it's the best feeling. Um, and it it really humbles me. And so I'm just, I'm very grateful that you shared that and that, um, that that's coming across because it, you're right. Like it, it is very intentional and I am very careful about the images I make specifically because um, if you look at the history of images of black people across mm-hmm you know, the past few hundred years, um, you know, from caricatures to images of us being circulated around the internet when we are being murdered. Like, I just want to contribute to images of Black people that do make space for interiority, for um, rest and nuance and joy and all these other things. And so, yeah, I think, yeah, it just feels really good. Thank you so much. And um, what you were saying about, you know, you make art in a way that's different. You use words. I use images. Like, this whole time that you've been talking, I've been like, oh, my God. She's so good with words. And, like, that's,
0: you <laughs> know, like, that. like,
3: you you are. Like, I think, mm-hmm. Eva, what you were saying about, uh, like, method poetry, I get, I got what you were saying. Because, like, yes. what you had just witness, finished saying, Ariana, unheard. was so, yes, you were it was so eloquent and so easy and so beautiful and so like that is something I really really admire about you and about other poets and writers is like I have images because it's like kind of like what you were just saying like that's like all I have that's not all I have but you know what I mean like that's my most immediate way of like communicating Mm -hmm. so I really really um am like in awe of people that can just say it like I have to think a lot (laughs) I have to like write you know or I have to make images Mm -hmm. but like you um being able to just like say what you mean and what you think and like um you have so much knowledge it's evident that you have such a great grasp on like historical context um and of who you are and so it's just really cool to like Witness you speaking in real time because it was like poetry. I was like, damn, he's great. <laughs> so much. Yeah, no, I'm serious. I was just like, wow. That's what that's why I said, and that's I get what you're saying about it being a complicated joy. Cause I was saying I was enjoying the conversation, but not because of the content. Obviously, we're talking about really <laughs> deep um and layered things, but I was just enjoying the way that you're able to communicate and mm-hmm. the way you approach your work um in the lens of, with which like you see things and then incorporate them it's it's really cool. So it's I'm a huge, huge fan, huge admirer. It is, it's so complicated and what you said too about, you know, one of your what a way that you um get joy is by looking at the work of other black women. Like mm-hmm same I think uh because I'm in art school right now I'm getting my MFA and so I and I you know went to art school for undergrad (laughs) and um there's a lot of art history that I have a a general understanding of because I learned it in school but I have no interest in and I am Mm -hmm. constantly like looking at black contemporary artists Mm -hmm. and so I think when I'm in conversations with like other art people and stuff I'm always just bringing up like Black artists because that's just what I look at and that's what gives me joy. And that's what, like you said, like you feel um, it's familiar. It's you can connect to it. And so that's, I I feel that too. I feel that same joy when looking at other things that Black people make.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that. Um, Something I was thinking (laughs) is that we have like, I feel like we, um, I was thinking of it as like two different powers, right? Like with with words and, and with with making images. Um, and I think it makes sense that they're complementary at times, you know. Um, mm-hmm. and I also just think you're really cool, you know. Uh, <laughs> I feel that way about both yeah. of you, you know. So if you if you ever want to collaborate in the future, I'm down. If y'all just want to hang out, let me know. <laughs> we can do both. I'm down for both let's do both
1: because I feel honored to be in the space with y'all and to like even um you know uh, be able to obviously call you friends and artists and and colleagues and and just I guess to me I'm like wow creating this space means a lot and so seeing y'all gush at each other is making me gush back here because I'm just like yes right like we need these we need these moments we need these conversations we need these works um to continue, to me, what the beauty of a place like Texas is, right? Um, Because so often, especially right now, we're seeing every single thing about Texas tested um, in in an even more oppressive way than it already naturally is. Um, And so you both uh, creating your work with intention um, (laughs) is so beautiful and necessary. And so um obviously we could go on forever and ever but i am glad ari was able to join us because it is kind of a full all these full circles this is going to be the theme of this interview because it's like i remember when when you know ari's work was on the cover of sana sana and now you have another beautiful dallas black woman artist work on your next cover for your next book so i wanted to shout out to desiree as well um but do you want to share any more about your upcoming book as we wrap up the interview because obviously we can keep chatting
0: yeah, um yes, I could talk to you all forever. Um but let's not cuz I know we have other stuff to yeah. do tonight. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, Maya. Uh, so um my first full-length debut poetry collection, We Are Ode Period, yeah. um <laughs> is coming out on July 29th exactly. <laughs> Period. Um, every time, I'm always like, "Do not forget the period when you write the, the title of the book." Yeah, I'm never going to gonna be able to
1: say it normally ever again.
0: <laughs> we are Just old. So, period. You know, okay. Period. Um, <laughs> it's coming out July 29th. I've been working on this book for the last um, five or six years now. Wow. Um, it's been a long research process, um, writing and learning new things, and rewriting, making sure my politics and my intention are clear. Um, mm-hmm. So it's been a very long process. I'm really excited that the book is finally done. Um, my copy is actually being mailed to me, I think tonight. So I should have it in my hands oh. <laughs> tomorrow with, with Desiree's beautiful cover art on the front. Um, and we're doing some um, launch events next week virtually. Um, but yeah, the book is is a lot about um, Black relationality um, in Mexico and, and in Mexican-American spaces. So I'm thinking a lot about like, um, questioning people's allegiances to nation states and what that does to our inter- interpersonal interactions, the way we understand ourselves and each other, um, and how we can use that, those understandings as a as a as a way to get closer to mm-hmm. liberation. Um, so I'm right. also there are also a lot of like poems and conversations with um, with formerly enslaved Africans in in Mexico and Texas, um, and putting them in conversation with my own lived experiences in um, my family as well. So it's very personal, um, it's very political, it's historical, but I try to, I try to be a good community storyteller and give you, give you the knowledge, but also tell you a story at the same time. And so I hope that people walk away from it, um, not feeling proud to be Mexican, right? But like questioning what that means and, and yeah. really interrogating their allegiance um, to black folks mm. in particular.
1: All right. Woo, woo, woo. I cannot wait to read it. I cannot um, wait. <laughs> I'm yeah, so I'm excited. like, oof, I already, <laughs> it's already hitting. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think that's beautiful. I'm so grateful that you took the time. And I, I'm i going to keep saying it, intention, because not everybody mm-hmm. moves with intention. Come right? on, Emma. like I learned the hard way many mm-hmm. times in the last year specifically where it's like, mm-hmm. Ooh, I, th- I thought you were who you said you were, but you are not right. Mm-hmm. And so when an artist creates with intention, it is noted, Um, And it makes all the difference. And I know you're saying hope a lot, but you already are doing that, right? So own that as well. You already are living and breathing everything you hope for it to be. Um, And now we all just get to receive it in physical form, right? Um, Because you are that already. So please never forgive that. Please know that Colores is a space uh, made made for you and we're always here to support you and love on you and and keep uplifting your work and uh we just can't wait to keep seeing you shine so thank thank you you for coming by please let us know where we can find your work and your handle and anything else um this episode is unfortunately coming out i guess after the book is out so go purchase Mm -hmm. the book Um, but let us know what your website is and your handles and whatever else
0: yeah you can find me on um Instagram and Twitter at Ariana the Poet. Um, my name is spelled Ariana like Ariana Grande. Um it's much easier to tell people that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you can go it to works. arianabrown.com Um and all of my information is there. Or you can go to YouTube and type in Ariana Brown and you might see some, you know, some cool spoken word yeah. over there.
1: Period. Don't listen Period. to the old Atlan <laughs> stuff, okay? We've grown. There is no old Atlan stuff. We- <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was like, we've grown since that era. Okay. Thank you so much, Ariana, for being here. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you Thank for you. joining The
0: Colores Radio. Appreciate you so much. Y'all Yay, take care. you too.
1: Thank you so much again to the incredible Ariana Brown for joining The Colores Radio. We are so excited for your new book. Please go out and support it and get this book. I can't wait to read it. Uh, we love and appreciate you. And we're glad you were finally able to join us for the show. Now that we are near closing, it's time to find some grounding. That means it's time for self-care corner.
2: Wow. Did you take music lessons?
1: Yeah. I went to Selena's studio, so I felt really inspired. Did you have your moment? Yeah. I could. We should have taken that photo. We didn't do that. We didn't. But we couldn't go inside the recording area. But they had a mic right there. Oops, I'm not getting my mic. Um, Anyways, my self-care corner reminder for this week is that I really have appreciated these road trips lately, and so I recommend even just going two hours away to some winery in Texas or something because it really creates getting out of your usual routine, your environment And if you're going with someone, y'all can split the gas and just have a cute meal somewhere and come back home. It just takes you away for a moment. It refreshes your palate. It exposes you to other people, exposes you to like a different culture, even in Texas, because North Texas- Regions were all so
2: different. Everybody was
1: so Are different than South Texas Mexicans. (laughs) And it's all beautiful. So I think um, you should definitely explore more places. I know there's things to offer in Oklahoma, all of these places in the south are definitely slightly terrifying because racism but also there's beauty in the world so i recommend um if you can taking a trip it doesn't have to be fancy it doesn't have to be expensive um it can just be sweet and cute and you can come really on down to grand prairie
2: go to trader's village <laughs> <laughs>
1: No. Nope. Not nope. that. You can. I support Traders Village, but also there's a cobra on the loose in Grand Prairie, so be careful. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Please do yourself a favor. And it can be alone. A solo trip is also very beautiful and humbling and grounding. So, take a moment for yourself to get away. You don't have to go to Tulum. Their cases are too high. Pick something cute and regular. South Indigenous people aren't beach. getting access to vaccines out there. Don't Right. Hawaii don't need any don't more tourism them. ruining their land. So They have no access out. to water. Okay, now we're just making them depressed because okay, everything in America is rough. But my self-care tip for you is to take a trip either on your own or with someone you love and trust and do some bonding, do some exploring. And you can still wear your mask and be safe on the way. So, like, that is what I Go on a
2: trip with your sister. Highly recommend. It's really fun.
1: You get to have inside
2: jokes and go to Bucky's in the middle of the night and not get delusional. Not that telling
1: all our tea. All right. That is our self care corner for today. Yay. Yay. That means it's time for Go Pat.
2: It's my time to shine with our brown. Period. Let
1: me get off the screen.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So. Um, for this, this episode, I wanted to recommend, um, a coffee shop that I've been going to since last year. Um, they're in the East Dallas area for those near, uh, Live Oak and, uh, uh, Brian is what they're off of. Yeah. Brian and Live Oak has got like a little hidden entrance, but, um, the place I'm recommending is Leche, Leche con Cafe. Um, they're Venezuelan owned. I think they had originally been at, like, the farmer's market in Dallas, and then they opened a brick and mortar last year. Um, It's really good. They have this really yummy one of guayaba-flavored iced latte that I get. They also have a masa pan-flavored one, um, a café de olla one. They're all really yummy. Um, I highly recommend it if y'all want some uh, Latinx-owned coffee in the area. I think they sometimes even do, like, pop-up brunches at times. Um, so you can find them, like I said, off of Brian and Live Oak. And their Instagram is at Leche, L-E-C-H-E dot D-E-D-E dot cafe, C-A-F-E. Um, and their website is com. But yeah, I know that's You know me, I'm a nice coffee person. So if I find like uh, like POC owned coffee shop i would go there over starby's any day because starby's...
1: starby's people what? on the
2: internet say that and it's real <laughs> it's real expensive and it's not that good like why would you get your like cold brew there for like five dollars when you can get it somewhere else for like three or four dollars so yeah mm. so that's my um brown and black business of the week
1: i have one as well can i throw it in oh yeah sure I'm just going to shout out quickly. I was very impressed by some chia pudding and this vegetarian quesadilla that I crave now. So shout out to Fresco Cafe in Corpus Christi, our good friend, uh, Princepe Q or Savani Quintanilla. We were able to chat it up with him. So shout out to the folks in Corpitos. But we went to Fresco and it was so good y'all yo that I was guess be, yeah we should have both got our own because the way was that so we, good. we ate that we didn't even get to take a picture of it because it was so good i didn't take a picture of anything i just demolished it with my mouth and so <laughs> i dean <laughs> if you want more of that subscribe to my just kidding fresco cafe in corpus christi very delicious great food fresh because that's the name um but you can find them off of chaparral street um And you can follow them on Instagram at fresco.cc.tx. So if you're ever there, I recommend stopping by. Um, I think they even do like pop-ups and stuff and events there too. They do. It's really cute inside. Great vibe. Snacks from around the world. Very cute. Very into it. And so I recommend it. That's my uh, South Texas recommendation of the week. That was a great recommendation. Thank thanks you. little pat that means that we have wrapped up our black and brown business of the week and our final segment is
0: who you got from the
1: corporal. take it away pat
2: uh so i'm saw this person's performance on colors and i was like wow who is she she's powerful her voice is great i love it um shout out to that for sharing her video on twitter Um, I got that from Reggaeton con la gata. Shout out to them getting their podcast that Evie Queen's uh narrating on like the history of reggaeton. That's so dope. I'm so excited to listen to it. Um, but La Dame Blanche, um, she did a performance on colors of La um, Veneno, one of her songs, and it was so good. I might have to show you an RA later. I loved it, and I was like, Who who are they? I need to look them up and start listening to more of their music. Um, but she's like a black Cuban woman. Um, she's, does a lot of great music. She, her, one of her last albums, she said that, um, she did it for all the, is a tribute to women, um, and like represents everything that she's about and her mom makes her shine. Um, so this music was like a tribute to her and like all, all the women that inhabit La Dame Blanche. Um, so yeah, was, she's really good. I've currently been listening to her EP a lot. Let me pull up the name of it so I don't miss it. Um, give me just a second. Ah.
1: I'm going to bring our friend Ari back in case she has a Who You Got. I think she sounds probably Sounds good.
2: Um, the EP is called... Where is it? What the heck? Hey, yeah. So it came out last year. I love the the artwork it looks like a uterus same isn't it beautiful
1: yes that's very nice
2: so yeah so i recommend her music check her out she did a like i said the performance for veneno which is her new single that came out um on the colors series on youtube or whatever so yeah that's my recommendation for this week who's going next ari eva who's ready
1: ari ari
3: okay i'll go um I've been listening to Vince Staples' new album a lot. Um, and then there's a, what was that? I said, We stand.
1: We've been listening to it oh, too. okay. Yeah, I think we talked about there's, it last episode.
3: I think y'all did. But that song called uh, Take Me Home with the singer Fouché, I've been listening to her and she's cute. Mm-hmm. I don't know she's her. like, she's cute. She has a cute voice and she has like very, um, like, black indie girl vibes. Mm-hmm. So, I'm listening to her. So, yeah, those two albums. Oh, also, Krongbin. Is that how oh, you say yeah. it? That I've been playing them You're at good. work a lot, which is cool. Yeah, they have a nice side for, like, doing work and focusing, so.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like them, too. They're good.
3: hmm
1: Eva, Beautiful. who you got? Um, I've been into the new Willow Smith. Very fun. I love it. I love a little rockera moment. I'm all into it. Um, I also have been listening to the new Isaiah Rashad. Um, So good. Obviously always like respected him, but like I think this album really reeled me in now. Um, So yeah, that's kind of what I've been listening to. I am planning on trying to read more of my book's which are a lot of black feminists and I, the stack just keeps piling up Jesus. But um, I (laughs) slowly, but surely will read more. That is what I'm trying to do is Mm -hmm. not have my phone on as much. So that is who I have right now. that's who she's who she's got no
3: that's who you got that's
2: who you got
1: got. this is who i haven't got this is who you had i can tell i'm getting tired because i'm not making sense anymore but thank Uh, you both um i do want to shout out again the lovely the one and only pat the gat for being um not only a beautiful wonderful sister but such a beautiful example and really a pioneer for latinx music here in dallas um truly does not get enough credit. Half of the stories that got written on a lot of our friends and people we stand here have been um, also a result of Pat hyping you. Whether you realize it or not, um, we do have a lot of connections we are grateful for, and we're glad that people trust our opinion, but also Pat is your biggest music fan um, and has been Uh, really what helped bring the Colores back, this new wave around. Um, So big love to one of our co-founders who has been there from the jump and never left. And really my sister, who I can't wait to see how you continue to bloom in both yourself and in your future Um, as the icon that you are. Thank you for being you. Thank you for... Um, just showing so much love to everyone um, and everything around you and your spirit and your smile and your heart is contagious so we wish you the best in New Mexico <laughs> Damn, I almost it it through the episode. and Dallas Texas is going to fucking miss you um, and the state of Texas um, deserves many more stars like you but we're ready to see you shine wherever you go so Thank you for everything you've done for the city of Dallas um, over the last many years.
2: Thanks. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, You know, I'm still always going to be here and always ready to collaborate with you and do anything that pops into your mind because you're an incredible person and I wouldn't
0: want anybody else.
2: To work with <laughs> wow i'm getting real emotional um
0: <laughs> damn it i was doing good um but i love you so much and i know we'll keep doing stuff and still popping ideas and texting each other randomly about memes <laughs> and like i said we'll have our facetime dates to watch drag race together and
2: um
1: be <laughs> <Jesus> because <and Meryl. laughs> that's the, that's our two qualities <laughs> we're like toxic men and gay as fuck there's like no in between
3: yep
2: but i love you and
1: i can't wait to keep all the projects
2: that we keep doing ari i love you too you're my sister you're here and i'm gonna get emotional with you too because i i can't believe to see all the growth that you've had um and you're in a wow i'm gonna like blind myself because my island (laughs) is not that um you're just an amazing talented being and i love seeing you and being able to call you my sister and to share like our birthdays together just means a lot to me because I know you're a powerful being. And I know that the, the state of Texas is only getting to see the beginning of like the power that you have too. And um, you have your sisters here behind you to keep supporting you. And I'm, I'm willing to make the drives or flights to be able to continue support and be there for you as well.
3: I was just telling Pat and Eva that I know that Pat's moving and I'm very excited for you to be moving and all the beautiful things that you're about to do and see and all the beautiful people that you're about to meet so I don't think it's hit me yet that you're leaving <laughs> like I feel like after this weekend I am gonna be like oh shit that is gone you know so like I don't know I think um yeah um but I just I appreciate you so much and I've you know gotten to know you over the past eight ish years along with your beautiful sister who Is my very best friend soulmate sister and and you've become my sister as well and it's so beautiful to see you come into yourself and to you know live your life in your truest form i think you've i've seen you learn a lot about yourself over the past few years um and that means questioning it that means not being sure that means like owning it loud and proud at some points, but also like kind of trying away from it. And so I'm just so happy to see that you are just like, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. And um, I just really look forward to your journey. Cause like Eva said, like you have so much pop culture and music knowledge that it's kind of crazy. And I think Eva's completely right that like you are a ride or die supporter and you're the kind of person that like when they're not in the room you bring up their name um and I think that's so important and I don't think people really realize that um and so yeah I'm just I'm very happy for you and I know that you have a really beautiful and joyous um road ahead of you and I'm sad to see you (laughs) leaving the state again it's just like I know that it's happening, but I just, I haven't really fully accepted it yet. So um, I can't wait to hang out with you this weekend and, and wish you a very warm goodbye, but it's not goodbye. It's just like, we'll see you later and we'll see you in another, in another state.
2: (laughs) And you're still going to, and you'll come visit obviously, because I'm going to be happy to have you. And I'm already
1: planning for Eva to come visit soon too.
3: We'll definitely be there
1: for sure and well, whatever mexico, you need like let me know thank you new mexico y'all yeah. better treat my sis right y'all ain't ready for, real. for this uh new magic that's in store i look forward to our listeners increasing in that state um <laughs> so shout out from Tejas to nueva mexico um love and great support for our sister pat who has uh you know, made a huge impact with us here and we can't wait to see what happens next. So shout out to you, Pat. We love you. Thank you. Love <laughs> y'all
3: too. Love
1: you, well, Pat. that wraps it up for us here at The Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. A sincere gratitude to all our guests today, Ari Brielle and Ariana Brown. Be sure and support all their work and special thank you to all our squirrel friends, homies, and ride or dies, over there on patreon remember you too can become a financial supporter of the necolonis radio family today and get early video access to exclusive content go subscribe and check us out on youtube as we now offer our video content new series called everything with eva which i it's exhausting to edit those videos but they are a lot of fun <laughs> you've got this i believe in you <laughs> thanks we truly cannot go on without your support um please don't forget to share the podcast and follow us on social media. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a
2: darn review. We
1: would love <laughs> to keep growing. So please share it with everyone you know. Tweet us or just hit us up. We love hearing from you all. Tell everyone you love to follow us at The Colores Co. If you enjoy our personal thoughts, you can follow me at Eva Araguin and Pat at Pat.Arrigin.com. Our theme song is "Gumbia Anthem by El Dusty. Shout out, Corpus. Our audio editor is Jeremy Piscina. We promise to keep growing and providing you with entertaining content. De Colores Radio. For your voices and work to be lifted. Support us on Patreon or visit us at DeColoresRadio.com. Thank you so much again for listening, for being with us, and join us again next Radio. Time for De Colores Radio. We love you, Pat.
3: We love you, Pat. Love you, love you, Pat. Pat.